I'm not going to talk about this the whole service, but I do want to say, like, I'm actually somebody that um, strangely likes the sound of my own voice. I know that sounds horrible, but it's whatever. Get over it. Um, and uh, today, there's like so much reverb in my head. I feel like someone just turned the reverb really up. So if I look annoyed by the end of the sermon, I am super annoyed by talking right now because there's just like this weird echo going on in my head because of this ear thing. So my apolo- I might just end the sermon early because I'm tired of hearing myself. And some of you are like, amen. But um, uh, I'm actually, I'm friends with a lot of pastors um, and, and we talk. Oh, yeah. We, uh, we talk uh, sometimes about you, and uh, not like about you specifically, of course, but like just in ge- like our congregations, and of course, of course, I have nothing but good things to say about you all, I promise, um, never a complaint, but, uh, um, but if you ask the pastor, what's the absolute best part of ministry, you know, like what's the best part of church, um, any, any guesses what people would say, and you can't say God or Jesus, because that's like, that's already out of, off the table, that's a given, um, any guesses? I, you know, that's funny because I can't even hear what you're saying. But great guesses, everyone. But, uh, and I have some interactive stuff later in the sermon, too. Like, I can hear noises, but anyways. Um, Monday morning. Monday morning's the best part, yeah, especially if you take Monday off. Thank you for pronouncing that well, Dan. Um, <laughs> the people, honestly. Oh, man, it's, 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 it's why we do what we do. Moments where, we're, and not just the people, but where God interacts with people's lives, you know, where they have a spiritual breakthrough, where someone thanks you for helping them through a tough time, or moments where someone quotes your sermon years after you gave it. That's only happened a few times. But boy, I'm like, man, they remembered that from that long ago. I actually don't remember saying that. I'm so glad it stuck with them. But moments where you're thanked, especially for anything, uh, but especially in times when it wasn't prompted or it wasn't just to be polite, but it's like really sincere. Uh, moments where you can serve people, moments where you can see people's lives change, moments where people that you're called to care for end up caring for you, and that's happened more than I'd like to admit. But these moments, I mean, they just keep pastors going. The best part of church is the people. In fact, I heard a pastor say once that people will come, visitors will come, and then they'll come back a second time because of the preaching, but they'll keep coming because they form relationships with each other. And I found that to be true. If I'm a good enough preacher, you might try me out a second time, but I'm not the reason people keep coming. It's because they get to know someone else, and they want to see them, and they want to be in relationship and in community. The best part of church is the people. Now, what do you think the worst part of church is? The people. Yeah, yeah, you saw that coming. Um, And I heard you this time. Thank you. Uh, Pastors included. (laughs) Because pastors, FYR, are people too. Uh, Surprising. Um, and every other person in the church is, is what makes church hard sometimes. But, but that's just how life works, isn't it? Uh, it isn't unique to church. Um, the best part of life is the people that we share it with. And the worst part of life, the part that makes life the hardest, is the people we share it with. People are why we do what we do. And people are also why our life can be so difficult. Because people are complicated. It raises a question that has been thought about and wrestled with and debated since humans were smart enough to debate, and it's been debated by probably most world religions in one way or the other, and the question is, are humans inherently good or inherently bad? And if we say they are inherently good, how do we rationalize the fact that humans are capable of being pretty horrible? They just are. But if we say they're inherently bad, how do we rationalize the fact that humans are also capable of being pretty amazing? Because they are. 
One second, a human's laying down their life for someone or sacrificing themselves or loving someone or creating beautiful art. They're giving and they're being awesome. And the next second, a human's taking another person's life or they're lying or they're backstabbing or they're hurting people. And we like to pretend that, you know, that there's two kinds of people in the world, that some are good and some are bad. And we've heard that phrase. There are two kinds of people in the world. And we can put everyone into some sort of category. Some people are good, some people are bad, and that's what we think, and that's what we're told, but it's not true. There is one kind of person in the world, and one second they are good, and the next they are bad. Both good and bad. The same person might one second do something truly loving, and the next second do something truly hateful, and that's what it means to be human. So what do we believe about humans? Good or bad? More good than bad, or more bad than good? Or are some people good and some people bad? That's what I wanted to reflect on today. We're in this series right now exploring basic theology. What we do, uh, what we believe, and why does it matter? And last week we looked at some really basic truths about God. That God is eternal, infinite, wise, and good, loving. That God is love. And there's so much more we could have unpacked there, we didn't have time. Next week we're going to talk about grace, and then we're going to talk about Jesus and the Holy Spirit, all of these kind of basic ideas. But today we're going to talk about what we as Christians, and specifically as a United Methodist clergy person, or someone in the Wesleyan tradition, what we believe about people. And here's where we start. In fact, this is where most Christians would start, on what they believe about people. We begin the first few chapters of Genesis, the story of creation and the fall. And in that story, we learn that humans were different from the rest of creation because we were created in the image of God. Here's what it says, Genesis 1. It says, Then God said, Let us make mankind human in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created humankind in their image, in his own image, in the image of God, he created them male and female, he created them. If you notice this, this passage says, let us. And the idea, based on the context, isn't referred, some people say, like, he's talking about the Trinity here. The Trinity is a later thought. What's happening here is, like, God, you have to imagine this, this context is set up that God is like a king. And he's sitting on this heavenly throne in the heavenly courts. So you have to think medieval, right? So this imagine this is like a medieval court, and God is sitting on the throne. Not like me, but like maybe somewhere else. And then he's surrounded by all of these heavenly beings or these, these court advisors, these angels. Angels and stuff, and the king says, let us, he's, he's talking to his, his heavenly court, let us create humans to be like us. Similar to a heavenly being. Now, we are not God. We are not heavenly beings, but we are created in the image of God. We are special. Think about what makes humans different from each other. Try this out. You know, you think about it, um, mothers. We've got a few mothers in the room. Are mothers created in the image of God? Yeah. What about children? Are children created in the image of God? Yes. Murderers? Yes. People in prison? Yes. Women who work the streets? Homeless people? Yes. LGBTQ? People of different races and nationalities and tongues? People of different religions? Yes. People I don't like? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, even them. 
You can do this. You can come up with it. All, all is created in the image of God. All, it, 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 this is where it gets really amazing. If you really want to understand who God is, you need all of this diversity because all of it is needed to understand who God is. It's only when we have all of these different vantage points, all of these different experiences, that we get little glimpses of who God is. And so for some of us who are raised to kind of think of God as this old white man, oh, that's such a limited view of God. God is like a mother and like a child. And we believe that every single human, regardless of gender identity, gender expression, sexual orientation, age, race, ethnicity, physical and mental ability, level of education, family structure, economic immigration, marital or social status, and so much more, regardless of all the things that make us different, every single human on the planet is created in God's image, every single one. It goes further than this. Psalm 8.5 says this. He says, you have made them, referring to humans, you have made them a little lower than God. Now, some translators don't like that. So they translate it differently. They say angels. I'm not using that translation because I don't want to take away from the impact. We're a little lower than angels. But this actually says you are a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. In the great hierarchy of the universe, we're just a little lower than God's. We are special. Very special. But here's the trick. And, And it's an important one. We are created in the image of God. We are a little lower than God. But hear me when I say this, because this is where it gets all messed up. We are not God. And here's why this is tricky. We have reason and morality and logic and and the ability to rationalize and to make meaning out of life and creativity and the ability to make decisions for ourselves. We're like God in a lot of ways. And we're just enough like God that at times we're tempted to be God. That's how the story in Genesis goes. The first humans are tempted like this. In in this ancient story, there's this serpent that comes up, and he tries to get them to eat this one fruit that they're not supposed to eat. Maybe you're familiar with this story. And God told them not to eat it, but the serpent tempts them. And look how the the serpent tempts them. Genesis 3 says it like this, verse 4. You will not certainly die. They're afraid that if they eat this fruit, they're going to die. The serpent said to the woman, For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God knowing good and evil. He says, eat this and you'll be like God. And here's the saddest part. I was thinking about this. I've never thought about it this way before in my life. God, in just two chapters before, just told us that they were created in the image of God, that they were already special, that they were already like God. Not God, but like God. And for whatever reason, they wanted more. This is where we fall short. They believed that what God had given them wasn't enough. So they reached for a fruit and ate it, and since then we've called this act uh, sin. Think about it. I I wonder if sin sometimes happens when we forget what our worth and value is, and we try to reach to make it for ourselves. We reach to to take what isn't ours. We try to be more like God because where we're at currently in our status in life, you know, stealing, reaching beyond what you should, murdering, taking someone's life when it's not yours to take, lying, envying, being jealous of somebody is always like thinking beyond yourself and not being content with where and who you are, hatred, cheating, backstab. And many of these, our pride and our shame and our fear pushes us to hurt others. And sometimes it's because we've forgotten our worth. We have forgotten that we are already like God, loved by God, created in the image of God. Friends, you're already a big deal. You don't have to act out. 
Do, do you see what I'm saying? You're already special. But we're also very quickly broken. And soon in this ancient story, after a short period, I mean, it escalates very quickly. The first humans, their children end up killing each other. And you end up in this world of anger and hatred and murder and jealousy. And so we ask the question, are humans inherently good? Yes. But capable of evil? Also yes. John Wesley was the founder of Methodism, and he talks about how sin impacts the image of God in us. Um, he does it by comparing ourselves uh, to an instrument, an instrument that's capable of beautiful harmony, but sin, brokenness, shame, fear, suffering, however you want to define it, it puts us out of tune. Here's how he explains it in his sermon, The Image of God. The instrument being now quite untuned, she could no longer make the same harmony. Sin or brokenness, pride, shame, fear, hatred, all of this hard stuff causes us to get out of tune. And no matter how hard you try, you can't play the right chords when you're out of tune. I was thinking about this and, and it hit me. I asked earlier if I could borrow Dan's guitar. And ironically, the one Sunday where I'm gonna play guitar, I can't hear. <laughs> but that's, uh, I have ears to hear, but I can't hear, and that's a whole other sermon <laughs> that doesn't work today. But I asked if I could borrow his guitar. I have, a, I have a one at home, and I brought it today to practice, but it's pretty cheap, and, and, and you'll understand the metaphor better if it's a nice guitar. So I, I said, what's this guitar worth, Dan? And he said, uh, um, well, brand new would be $3,000. So I'm going to try not to drop it. No, don't put that guitar up yet. That goes down. That's later. So um, $3,000, and um, which might seem like a lot to some, but it's not the most expensive guitar that you can buy. It's, it's, a, it's a nice guitar, I'm assuming, Dan. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not. Um, my guitar is probably a couple hundred dollar guitar. It's fine, it sounds. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know guitar really well, but I can play a little bit. Is that in tune? Yeah, pretty good, right? Yeah. Thank you. I'm going to need some extra help. Um, so Wesley says that sin is like getting out of tune, right? We lie to someone. You know, we lie to someone we love. And it puts us just a little bit out of tune. You know, with ourselves, with God. Like when you kind of do something, you know you does something wrong, it kind of puts you out of tune with yourself. You know, you know that feeling where like, ah, oh, something's wrong. It puts you out of tune, broken relationship with God. Maybe you hate somebody, they really hurt you, and so you hate them, and it's just... You know, not a lot of hate, just a little bit of hate, so you get just a little bit out of tune. Um, we steal or we cheat or, you know, we do whatever, however you define what is right and wrong, I'm not getting at that today, but, you know, just a little bit out of tune. And, uh, you know, beautiful, right? I'm not going to get into what is and isn't sin, not today anyways. The point is, is that we can all agree that there are some things in this world that are wrong. And some things that when we do, it just gets us out of tune a little bit. Now, I like this analogy because Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount explained how we tend to think there are degrees to sin. Like, it's, it's okay if you hate someone as long as you don't murder them. I mean, I think we would all agree one's preferable over the other. Hating someone, you know, just puts you a little bit out of tune. Murdering someone, I mean, geez, that's just like, 
I mean, you're just really out of tune at that point. <laughs> and uh, it, 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 it maybe sounds even worse, I don't know. And you're like, ooh, I don't like the sound of that. Jesus explains it like this in Matthew 5. He says, you have heard it was said to people long ago, you should not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And I think what Jesus is saying here is, is, yeah, one is worse than the other, technically, but they both will put you out of tune, and it's going to ruin the song. A little bit out of tune is no good. A lot out of tune is still not good. Do you see what I'm saying? Humans are capable of evil. Every, every single human, no matter how nice they appear, we're capable of evil. And, and just the smallest little thing, judging someone from a distance and not even doing anything about it, it's going to put you a little out of tune with the harmony that God has called us to. This puts us out of tune with God's vision for the world. So we're playing at times, and, and, and guitars are out of tune. And this is why community's so hard, by the way. We're stuck listening to a bunch of guitars out of tune. This is what it sounds like for us to hang out with each other. This is what marriage sounds like sometimes. Any amens? It's like, man, what is going on here? This probably bothering you more than me. I can't even hear it. Ironically, someone said when I told them I couldn't hear, they're like, you know what? Hearing's overrated sometimes. And I was like, it's... <laughs> Here's my point. Go back, go back to the guitar's work. So this is out of tune. Dancy's going to have to put it back into tune before he plays. I agree. Brand new, in tune, worth $3,000. What's it worth now? Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Does being out of tune change its worth? You know what we do when guitars are out of tune? I'm not talking about guitars anymore. I'm talking about humans. Why are you out of tune? <laughs> if they get really out of tune, you know what we do? We lock them up. I don't want anyone to have to listen to that. I'll give you an example. We've been engaged in uh, learning what it means to engage in violence reduction. A few of us went to a training uh, from a speaker talking about restorative justice, and uh, she was talking about the prison system and how the vast majority of people who are locked up shouldn't be. Not because they didn't do anything wrong, but because prison doesn't actually help people. Here's what we, we know statistically from prisons. So I know this is, we, we as culture are addicted to punishment. We want people to be punished. That's the point of prisons, it's punishment. But it doesn't actually change people. People commit violent acts because they become isolated, they are experiencing shame, and uh, they often can't take care of their own needs. In prison, just invest more of that. So what we find using this analogy is that when somebody does something wrong, they've done something wrong, let's just assume that they're rightly accused. If they go to prison, they become more out of tune than, than, when they, than they went. And the majority of people who go to prison are gonna come out of prison. And now they're more out of tune than when they went in because prison will put you more out of tune. That's what we do. And that's how we handle problems in society. And that's why what we believe about humans is so important. Yeah, people get out of tune. But what does it mean to put them back in the tune? How can we do that? How can we invest in practices that actually restore people's humanity? When Paul writes in his letter to the Romans that all have fallen short, it's not meant to be a statement about someone's worth. It's, it's meant to be an encouragement for all of us to be a little bit more humble and kind with each other. It's meant to remind us that we're all human, which means each one of us has value regardless of what we've done, and each one of us will make mistakes, big or small, they're going to happen. 
And so when you look at the world and the brokenness and issues of justice, what does it mean to see people's value? And this is my challenge today. I was thinking about it's not even in my notes. Do not allow somebody's life, when somebody's life is out of tune, influence how you value them. And this is so important. In every relationship, when your spouse loses it, which I've done, you can say, oh, okay, that doesn't change their value. You just got a little out of tune. What was going on there? Long day. Kids wouldn't get out the door. Which is like the worst thing in life. I don't, there's not much worse. Anyone else have trouble getting kids out the door? Gosh. Sorry, kids in the room, but it's not fun. <laughs> Just, you knew we were leaving. <laughs> you want to know how you get out of tune? That's, a, I'm, that's the kind of stuff. Little, little bits out of tune. Obviously, there's a lot. I asked Dan if the value of his guitar would be impacted by being out of tune, and of course, he assured me it wouldn't. A good guitar, would, a guitar player would see the potential of the guitar and know how to tune it, right? And I think the same is true for God. And the same should be true for the church. A good church should be able to see your true value and other people's as well. To be able to look past the fact that we play out of tunes at time. And, and to hear, if you hear nothing else today, I want you to hear, to be people of faith, we need to not only believe in God, but we need to believe in what God says about people. And choose to look past what people believe, what people have done to see their true potential. Uh, Dan actually added something else. We had a great little text message conversation. So thank you, Dan, for my sermon this week. Um, <laughs> He said that the wear and tear on the guitar might actually impact its value. Like, being out of tune wouldn't, but the wear and tear does. And I thought that was interesting. But he added that the wear and tear on this particular gar, guitar was, was earned, right? And uh, um, it's earned, and it tells a story. And he added that the wear and tear on this guitar, hear this, makes this guitar priceless to him. That's a whole other sermon. You tracking? Think about it like this. When a famous guitar player takes a, takes a used guitar and puts it up for auction, it goes for a lot more than its actual value. I looked it up, there's like 20 guitars, they've all gone for millions of dollars because so-and-so played it. This was the one that sold the most, now you can put the guitar up. Six million dollars went for auction. Highest guitar I ever sold. G duct tape on the case. For a guitar and duct taped case. Why was it worth it? Because the guitar was played by someone famous, they were in music videos, MTV, well-loved. Now, do you think that guitar ever got out of tune? Yeah, yeah every you gotta tune it every time. Do you think it changed its value? No. Now, we might be out of tune at times. We might be living in duct-taped cases. We might have scratches and dents and feel beat up. But friends, we are people of God. And we are instruments of God in this world. We are created in God's image and we belong to God and that's where our value comes from. When we are used by God to make this world a better place, it doesn't matter how many scratches and dents you get, your value doesn't go down because to God, we are priceless. Every time you serve, you make coffee, you hang out in the nursery, you teach kids, it wears you down it makes you more priceless. So every single person that we meet, God sees them and sees their potential and loves them with all they are. So you see, the question is whether God, the question isn't whether God loves you. 
That's never been the question. The question is, how can I be in better tune with God's harmony? So we'll bring this illustration all, all the way, and I'm going to tune it in front of you guys. You know, we're going to get this back to an E, maybe. I might not be able to do this, Dan. I think I got it out of tune too much. Hey, there you go. That's pretty close. Too much noise in here. How can I become the best version of myself? Now, what are those little adjustments we need to make? It's not a question of whether God loves you. What does it mean to make small adjustments in myself to, to have a better, more abundant life? How can I get back into harmony with God, with myself, with other people, and all of creation? Because when I do, it's going to sound beautiful. And learning to do that is a journey of faith. And, and it's made possible by God's grace. That's, so that's what we're going to talk about next week. We're going we're to bring this to a close here. Band can come get ready if they want. But, um, and you'll need some time to tune this because I, I was going to, man, but it's too much pressure. So you come tune this and I'm going to talk. Um, uh, you'll get to hear it in tune here in a second, God willing. And uh, learning to live in tune with God is a, is a daily practice, right? It's, it's constant investment, and it's made possible because of God's grace. God's grace is what bridges us from the value that we know we have and what it means to live in harmony with God. And so we're going to talk next week about God's grace and then go on and talk about some other basic theology. So I'm going to invite you to um, take a time and reflect on your own life. Whenever you felt out of tune... You just felt like something was off. What relationship was that in? Was it in relationship with your career, with your family, with your child, with your mother, with your children? Where have you felt out of tune at times? And, and have you allowed that to impact your value and how you view yourself and the way that you believe God views you? The invitation today is to trust that God's grace is able to take something just a little bit off and make it beautiful. And that God's grace can help us deal with each other when we're a little out of tune. And we know what that's like as well. Will you pray with me? God, we come before you and we give you thanks for your grace. Help us, Lord, to be people that are constantly growing and learning not because we not because we need to prove anything or because we have to convince you to love us but because you're helping us become the best version of ourselves you're helping us live in harmony with you with each other with ourselves and all of creation help us make beautiful music together your name. Amen.